Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It should be found on page 152 in our Pew Bibles or 297 in the large print. Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy, of course, comes at that point just before the people are going to be entering uh, the promised land after they've been wandering in the desert for a very long time. Before they go in, they go in with this repetition of the law that they would know how they were supposed to live in this land as God's people. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made and God, we thank you for all that you have given to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your son. Now that we can come to know you. That we can have a living and authentic relationship with you. That will change us. And that will impact the world. We ask that you would open our eyes and our ears this morning, that you would soften our hearts today to hear your word and be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 11. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it must be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan that they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require a payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none." You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. Hmm. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them, and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Turning to our New Testament lesson, John 15. Verses 9 through 17. It should be found on page 876 in our Pew Bibles, or 1677 in the large print. And this again is the night where uh, Jesus has been betrayed, uh, or will be betrayed. He knows it. The rest of the disciples don't yet. But he gives them some of his final words and teaching. In John 15, starting in verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Last week, we looked at a passage in 1 John that declares boldly to us some very good news. And it says, see what great love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And here's the thing. Last week, we rejoiced in this wonderful good news that no matter what, uh, no matter what we feel like, no matter what's uh, going on around us, that this is who we are in Christ. That we have been adopted and actually born into the family of God. That we can be children of God. And this is very good news. <laughs> you hear the butt coming, don't you? This is very good news But, it's not good news if it ends with us. The good news that we have been adopted as children of God is not good news if it ends with us. And the reason why is because if it ends with us, it shows that maybe we really haven't been adopted at all. Because what we talked about last week is that this adoption of the family, this being born again, this having the Spirit of God the, uh, ripping out of the, uh, was it, the apple trees, that the orchard would be replanted. We could grow peaches. A different kind of fruit comes from a different kind of tree. And we have to be replanted, not with our natural spirit, but with the Spirit of God in us. And when that happens, we actually begin to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing. The fruit of the Spirit is all about how we relate to one another. How we show love to others. And do you see what I'm saying? That means, if it ends with us, if it's all about God's love to me, God's love to me, God loves me so much, and it never goes out from me to anyone else, then maybe I need to reevaluate. And that's where John heads next. We're looking at 1 John Chapter 3, starting in verse 11, going on to the end. Hear what he says. He says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. 
We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We're looking this morning at why we love our brothers and sisters. We've been looking the whole letter of 1 John at the motivations of our hearts. Why do we do these things? And when we look at loving others, you know, we may come up with a whole bunch of reasons why we might want to do that. But here's what John tells us. We love because this is the message from the beginning. This is what the message has always been. God loves us, and therefore we love others. God has been, we'll see in a few weeks, God is love. You can't get away from the character of God. And this is why we love one another. Now, for those who are getting a little nervous that this is um, sounding a little too wishy-washy, this is one of those love sermons. And I'm just going to be loving to everyone and everything anybody does is fine. And it's all No. Let me re- remind you what we said last week. One of the commentators uh, on this verse uh, it says, Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And they say, for him, for John, righteousness and love are inseparable. Since they are inseparable in the character of God and in his revelation in Christ, so they must be inseparable in the lives of his people. They go absolutely together. Living right and living out love go hand in hand. They cannot be separated. So please, as we talk about love, don't think that we are doing that um, in any way that goes against living right. In fact, love is living right. Um, But here's the problem. As we do that, he says, don't be surprised if the world hates you, right? And he reminds us of a situation that happened all the way back at the beginning, where you have Cain and Abel. And what happened with Cain and Abel? Well, they didn't get along so well. (laughs) He says, why didn't they get along so well? Because Abel was actually doing what was right. And you would think, well, if Abel's doing what's right, then everybody around him is going to be really happy with that. No, that's not the way it works. That's what John's pointing out. Even from the beginning, when somebody's doing what's right, the people who aren't doing right get really mad about it. And so Cain takes Abel out and kills him. That's what you get for doing right. And that's been the way from the beginning. He says, don't be surprised if that's what happens. And we shouldn't necessarily expect that that's always going to be the case. But when it does happen, don't be surprised. This is the way that it goes. And yet, he says, we love anyway. We still love anyway. In fact, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Now, we keep using 
you've ever seen The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies of all time, you keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, right? Inconceivable. Well, we keep using the word love, and we have not yet talked about it, you know, what that means at all. And I will tell you, in our culture, that means a whole lot of things. And in the Bible, it's used several ways, but the way that it's used here is the same way it's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is the kind of love, it's the same word that's being used here when it's talking about love. But here's the way that John defines it. He doesn't give us a list of words that we can then, okay, now we've got to go to another dictionary and look up those and see what this means. Instead, he gives us this. He says, this is how we know what this kind of love is. The love that we're asked to have for each other. This is how we know what that love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He didn't define love. He gave us the picture of it. This is what it looks like in action. And then he says to us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He says, let's not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is one of those areas where it's really easy to talk the talk, but it's a whole different thing to walk the walk. He says, Jesus walked that walk, and he calls us to walk it too. And here's the, where it gets really crazy. It's when he says, for us to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is the same thing that Jesus was telling his disciples. No greater love has no one than this. They lay down their life for their brothers and sisters. And you say, okay, am I willing to do that? And you might think of somebody in your head and say, would I be willing to lay my life down for that person? Would I take the bullet for them? Would I die in their place? Here's the problem. We don't really know. We can think to ourselves, sure I would. Of course. But really, we only get one moment where that would be tested. Right? And if we actually do it, that's the only time we're ever tested on it. But what John tells us is, how do we really know if we would or not? It's not in that moment. It's in all the moments that lead up to that. What are the sacrifices that we make for other people on a daily basis that show that we have that kind of love or we're willing to lay down our lives for them? And so he says, if you see somebody who, if you have material possessions and you see a brother or sister in need, but you don't have any pity on them, how in the world... Could you then lie to yourself and say, yeah, but I'd die for him? No, you wouldn't. That's what it's saying. Of course you wouldn't. If you're not willing to give a little bit, why in the world do you think that you could convince yourself you'd be willing to give a lot? And that's where he says, let's not love with words or speech. Let's not say, I would be willing to give everything, but I won't give a little bit. anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? This ought to call to mind the parable that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. Because you have a priest that walks right by and does nothing. You have a Levite that walks right by and does nothing. And you have a Samaritan who stops in the middle of what he's doing 
and who gives and gives and gives. Not because the guy deserves it, but who gives out of grace. Who gives because he loves another human being. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I have to tell you, I know this is kind of a long passage, and I was really tempted to stop the sermon right here. But I'm not going to. Because I think if I stopped the sermon right here, if John had stopped writing right here, it would lead us to nothing but frustration and depression. Because what happens when we try to have this kind of love for other people? We go out from here right now and we say, okay, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to have this kind of love. I'm going to give to the people in need. And I'm going to work. We pretty soon find that we go, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. I don't care like I should. And now I feel horrible and maybe I'm not actually a child of God. So we have to go on. I'm sorry. (laughs) Starting in verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. In other words, this is not something we can do on our own, but God knows that. And he doesn't call us to do it on our own. He calls us to do it with him. To let him act in us and through us. And if we go out from here and we try to do this on our own, we will fail. And there will be times, even if we go out and we're doing this with him, that we will drift. And we'll start trying to do it on our own. And we'll get frustrated and we'll get discouraged and we'll start to condemn ourselves. Don't do that. Don't do that. At any moment that that's how you start feeling, go back to God and say, he loved me so much. Jesus gave up his life for me. You go back to him. God is greater than our hearts. Go back to the gospel. And then he says we, and that will give us the confidence that we need to actually keep God's commands. But what are the commands? To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. That's the order it goes in. This is what it ties it all together again. It's going back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of who he is and what he's done for us. We love because this has been the message from the beginning. We love our brothers and sisters because Jesus has already showed us the depth of this love and the character of this love. And we love because God has given us his spirit that enables us, enables this love in us. And increasingly so, as we grow as the children of God. So, in conclusion, we will have ups and downs. We will have backs and forths. But the trajectory of our lives ought to be growing this direction. We ought to have love as a defining characteristic of who we are and what we're about. Not because we're better than anybody else, but because we've received the gospel and the spirit of God. So what is our part in this? Because if it's all about God growing this in us, what do we do? 
We just sit back and do nothing? No. Our responsibility first, of course, is to pray for this kind of growth. To pray for God to give us opportunities to actually demonstrate this kind of love. In action, not just in thoughts. Second, it's to fill our thoughts and our lives with the message of Jesus. If we are always thinking about who Jesus is and how he lived and what he did for us, that will change the way we look at everyone and everything around us. And third, we actually need to start practicing this kind of love for one another. Put it into practice. So here's our homework assignment for this week. We'll start small. Think of two people. Maybe even you know one that you're related to and one that you're not. Ask God to show you needs in their lives that you can meet. That he would give you a love for them that would go beyond warm feelings, but that would be put into action. That you would meet their needs, not that you're wanting anything back from them. Not a, I will do something good for you, and then you better, come on, return the favor. We're talking about a one-sided, self-sacrificing, for the good of the other person kind of love. Practice this. Practice this as we depend on God's Holy Spirit to grow this in us. And the more we practice it, the more we see that we need him. And the more that we depend on him, the more we see this growing in us. And it just keeps going round and round. May we continue to see the adoption and the rebirth of ourselves as children of God, as good news. Let's not let it end with us. Let us go through us and out to the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.